If you're strong, you can fly. You can reach the other side of the podcast. It's alright, sit and chill. There's an hour left to fill, and we gotta go fast. That's what so makes us. GHC, GHC, GH. Say you're nuts and train no drinkers. GHC, GHC, GHC. You're wrists and overthinkers. GHC, GHC, GHC. Spinning through this crazy fandom. GHC, GHC, Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the GHZ Podcast, a podcast about Sonic the Hedgehog. We are so happy you're here. I am one of your four hosts. Knock, knock, it's Nathan. Hi, it's Josh. I did the theme tune, but I don't like to go on about it. You know, I'm, I'm not an egomaniac or anything. <laughs> and we talk about everything uh, related to Sonic the Hedgehog. We talk about the games. We talk about the comic books. We talk about the cartoon series. And also... Well, mostly we we talk about why we're in our thirties and we're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog still. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Grant and then I'm Grant. I'm the coolest. And uh, mm. here's what we do: we get together once a week to do this. And hey, we invite you to join us as well. In the link below, in the description below, you'll find a link to our Discord. Come hang out with us. Come give us your Sonic hot takes, and uh, that's uh, that's how we do it. So thanks for joining us. And I'm Lee, the podcast mascot. I may remind you of K9 from Doctor Who, because <gasps> everyone loves it. me because I'm a bit crap. And you're made of <laughs> cereal boxes as well. Yes. Yeah, I know. I hugged you once, and it just I went straight through you. Kellogg's. The good, yeah, the good one. Yeah, like a Kellogg's box, not like a, a supermarket-owned brand one. These references are going way over my head. Oh, well, you don't have Kellogg's cereal. Come on, mate. You're from planet Earth, right? Isn't Doctor Who some granddad <laughs> shit? How old is that show? No, okay, fine. Yeah, I am a granddad. I caught you, I guess. Thanks. Cool. All right, this is the we're, we're, fuck we're Josh all hipster, episode. Hipster granddads here. <laughs> I, I guess childless yeah. hipster granddads the podcast. <laughs> I think I saw childless. Uh, I saw childless hipster granddad play at the Camden Underworld. <laughs> They're yeah. really good. I yeah. like their early stuff better. Yeah, so it goes. Yeah. It's, all right. So that's you're getting the sense of the podcast. We don't have children. That we have a podcast. Uh, hey, well, speaking of daddies, oh, sorry, speaking of fathers, uh, we've got two guests with us today. They were uh, both story editors and writers on the hit cartoon series, Sonic Boom. So let's welcome first uh, new father, Alan Denton. Hey. <laughs> I figured new father would be your credit, Alan. Hey, Alan. Yeah. Sure. That's all that defines me now. Oh, speaking of daddies, don't ever introduce me that way. <laughs> don't worry. We're going to edit this all out. This whole episode's going to end up just being two minutes long. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, happy to be here. Hey, man. And we've got your writing partner, your, uh, who also is a story editor on Sonic Boom, Greg Hahn. Hi, Greg. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Welcome, yeah, welcome. Thanks for Happy to have you guys. Was Thanks I supposed to talk over the music? Was I was I should have should I have waited? Oh, that's perfect. What's the proper cue? The best cue. The best thing is to just ask afterwards. Yeah. Uh, okay. Great. I'm glad I did it right then. Yeah. So you're nailing it. You totally cool. got it right. Perfect. Uh, great. Well, okay. So first, yeah, we're very happy to have you guys here, and a uh, lot of questions, a lot of things to talk about. So first, um, just curious how you guys got into Sonic 
in the first place, before we talk about the show specifically, what was your first encounter with the Blue Blur f- franchise uh, as a whole? Well, I mean, Greg and I, like, I got a Sega Genesis when I was in third grade or something, so nine years old. And that's like sort of like, you know, I'm born in 1984. Uh, so I feel like we were exactly the demographic that the original Sonic the Hedgehog was going to, uh, where it was just like, yeah, this isn't like your stupid Mario Brothers. This is blast processing. <laughs> like that, that worked on me. Where I was like, Dad, we gotta get it. It's got the blast. It's got the blast processing. Um, <laughs> so I mean, like, yeah, Greg, I, I assume similar for you, right? Yeah, similar for me. I'm I'm the same age as Alan, so I got a Sega probably around the same time, maybe third grade, maybe fourth grade. But I was playing that first Sonic the Hedgehog game very shortly after it came out. So the first two, three games plus and Knuckles were my jam and. And again, it was like the attitude of Sonic the Hedgehog, just like this too cool for school, way cooler than anybody else. Like, you know, Mario, by comparison, although a fun game, he didn't have that snark and sass and, you know, yeah, tapping, what a tapping, his, tapping his foot because <laughs> he's ready to get moving. That was That was the attitude that, you know, I think enveloped all of the 1990s, right? Everything was like this. Yeah. Yeah, excessively attitudinal snark. Yeah, yeah, we're all rebelling against no one in particular for no reason. Like every commercial <laughs> back then was just like, your parents want you to do this. Your parents would want you to drink juice. Don't drink juice. Yeah, you know, screw drink- you, mom. We got purple ketchup now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were always like parents shaking their fingers in like fisheye lenses and kids freaking <laughs> them out. <laughs> I mean, to this day, to this day, I won't buy a product unless a dinosaur wearing sunglasses tells me to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can trust him. He's a trustworthy space. It's harder and harder to, to find uh, healthcare that way, but it's... Uh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Who needs but that? That's necessary. for parents. Yeah. <laughs> if only Denver the Last Dinosaur went into some sort of, uh, you know, medical field, then maybe i trust them. <laughs> oh god i hope that didn't come off wrong i trust medical professionals <laughs> even if they're not skateboard riding dinosaurs okay wow not even 10 minutes in and we're finding out you guys are anti-vaxxers oh, no, don't, don't let me in with that greg han i oh, I, I do not share his viewpoints so how did how did you guys find each other did you were you writing partners before sonic boom or did you guys get linked up there or uh how did the two of you meet I, Greg and I, we've known each other forever. We were we we played peewee baseball together. We, you know, when we were eight years old, um, we we went to high school together. We uh, the, we go way 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 back. Lifelong friends, huh? Yes, oh, yeah. but we were not writing partners. We'd like done stuff together. Alan and I were like producing films in high school and helping each other out with that stuff. But it wasn't until we were in LA, we were both kind of writing independently, writing specs and just trying to break in. And uh, and it wasn't until Sonic that we – no, it was a little before Sonic that we started writing together. Yeah, um, I think Sonic was the first time we were paid yes. as, a, as a duo to write together though. Like we, we were just writing spec scripts on our own and samples and stuff. Like I, I feel like Greg and I had just started trying to write together maybe six months before Sonic Boom came along or something. That was the magic that you needed to unlock the door. Yeah, in a way. Um, I think, 
we balance each other out a lot um you know and, and it's also like what you come to realize when you're like writing alone is very hard especially if you're writing comedy because there's no one laughing at mm-hmm. your jokes like you you lose all sense of what's actually funny i guess mm-hmm. uh but once you have like another person in like you can say like four jokes and the time the other guy laughs, you know, that's something there. That's at least, you know, that's at least something to start with. Um, so like that, I, I still find it weird, like trying to write comedy by myself. It's really hard. Yeah, I agree. I, a little more about like how we started writing together. I remember we were, you know, we both actually lived in the same apartment building at the time and uh, we were both independently writing curb your enthusiasm spec scripts uh, I know that show doesn't even use a script. It's it's largely outlined and improvised, but we both decided this was the way to go. Uh, and we, yeah. were doing, we were doing that independent of each other. And, and I think we were both hitting a wall and I was like, ah, I got this B plot that I really think is funny, but the A plot's not quite working. And Alan's like, my A plot's pretty good, but my B plot, ah, not so much. And then so we kind of joined forces and overlapped our, our two ideas. And that was like the first time we – we wrote something together. Wait, I want to hear some of these curb um, script ideas. What, what, <laughs> sure. what did Larry get Abolition. into in this? Uh, so my A plot was that the the buffet at the strip club is excellent food. And Larry and Jeff want <laughs> to go to the strip club only to eat the buffet. However, the strip club owner will not permit the food to be ordered to go because the whole point is to bring people into the strip club. Uh, when they sneak some food out, Jeff's wife, Susie gets a taste. She wants to get this, uh, this restaurant to cater their daughter's graduation party. So now they need to (laughs) smuggle the strip club chef out of the club under the, the, the iron fist of the strip club owner to the party. And of course it ends up that guy crashes the party with all of his girls and everything and trying to get his, his employee back. So that was my A plot. Yeah, that was, that was the A plot. The B plot that I had was Larry was just very unsure about the, uh, the strength of his urine stream at the urinal. Uh, he, he overheard, I I believe it was an executive character. I don't remember exactly. Alan, do you remember who the other character was that just like, made larry feel shame yeah it was larry was doing a pitch and then he like was in the urinal next to the executive who he was talking to and that executive just had a strong forceful loud stream in the urinal and larry had a little tinkle and he felt some disgust from that guy and then when they passed on his pitch he felt he was discriminated against and then he starts noticing (laughs) the swagger of everyone with a strong stream Wow, I like. And then we had Leon in there, just kind of like really hitting Larry hard on the stream thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you gotta have a big, you gotta have a thick stream. You don't have a thick stream. You got small dick, small dick, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't think a way to rework that into a Sonic Boom episode? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we tried. We tried so hard. Yeah, it could have worked. And how how did that? So Sonic Boom was your first time uh, breaking through to a paid writing gig. How did uh, that opportunity present itself? So I, uh, Bill Freiberger, who's the showrunner of Sonic Boom, I worked with him uh, as an intern on a on an MTV show that he was a staff writer on. Uh, it was called Warren the Ape. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Greg the Bunny, the old mm. like Fox sitcom with Seth Green mm-hmm. and Sarah Silverman. So it was like ten years after that single season flop on Fox, they revived the character, a spinoff 
with one of the other characters on MTV called Warren the Ape. Uh, it was not a success, uh, but that was like I, I was the unpaid intern in the writers' room, um, and so that's like when I started working with with Bill a lot, uh, and so it was a couple of years after that where I was over at Bill's house and he said that he was getting hired on Sonic the Hedgehog. And again, that was like right after Greg and I started writing together. And, and I feel like I just started asking him lots of questions. I was like, Oh, like, so is this modern Sonic or classic? And he's like, ah, I think modern. And it was like, so is, is it Sonic? Is Rabbit going to be there? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is Amy in it? He goes, yeah, Amy's in it. And I was like, is big, the cat in it? And he goes, I don't think big, the cat's in it, you know? And (laughs) Mm, thank you i'm a big 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 the cat fan so no yeah we're we're all big boosters here yeah and so like i think that like like me knowing bill opened the door but i think also just me asking him a lot of specific sonic questions about like Mm. uh, all of that stuff i think like made him realize that like uh people our age grew up with this and sort of know it inside and out uh so i think that also helped us yeah, and then for I would say for a little while leading up to that, Alan and I were both kind of, you know, we were we were friends with Bill. We were seeing him frequently. We we're asking him to read our samples, and so he was already familiar with our writing and our writing style and and our sensibilities. Our our comedy sensibilities were very much in line with with Bill's as well. So I think it all just kind of it was uh, it just kind of worked out in that way at that, at that time it, we, we kind of were in the right place at the right time and Bill thought of us in that moment yeah and I think Greg and I had just written a regular show sample which again tonally very similar to what what he was trying to do on Sonic Boom so like we just like had a sample script to send in that was exactly what they were looking for uh, yeah so it just was like really good timing I was just saying that yesterday that like regular show feels like one of the Sonic Boom peers on Cartoon Network uh, when you when you kind of look at the the sensibilities and the comedy styles of it. So that makes a lot of sense. I have a question about that. So are you guys just like writing basically like kind of pitch scripts for shows that exist already as a way to kind of like get work? We were doing that at the time and I've found and we've been told over the last decade or so that that's not really the direction people want you to take anymore it seems like most showrunners want to read originals more so than specs but you know it's obviously a lot easier to write a spec uh and 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 it's a lot easier to read a spec and not have to have as much knowledge about you know you know you don't it's not all this explainy stuff you can just jump in if you know the characters you can you can get what's going on so it was it was a great tool for giving us practice but uh nowadays it seems like that's not really what people want to read unfortunately hmm, interesting um so yeah let's uh let's talk about how it was like writing once you guys were was there a room uh was there a writer's room for sonic boom or how did uh how did the writing process work was there was it you and bill and uh, a few other writers that were pitching stories then going off to write scripts or uh what was that kind of process like yeah, this was a weird one because uh, it aired on Cartoon Network but wasn't a Cartoon Network original. It was produced by Sega, and they didn't have like an office for us to use or anything. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, the room was us two and Bill, and there were several freelance writers who would send Bill pitches, um, 
but it was really on us with Bill to kind of more often than not, we were the ones kind of doing the outline or, or, or figuring out what was in the episode, giving them a, a real loose outline and then having them, the, the freelance writers, take over any of their own scripts and go on from there. Uh, Alan and I would just kind of be in those early steps of that. And then when the script came back around, we would once again jump on it to give it that polish and make sure that all the shows had the same voice. And then other than that, there were the episodes that we ourselves wrote, and then that was just we were on that process from start to finish. Yeah, and when Greg says the room, he means Bill's pool house. Like yeah. we were working <laughs> out of out of Bill's house. Uh, it was uh, – yeah, and it was sort of like Bill is also he's a sitcom guy. You know, he wrote he wrote for The Simpsons. Uh, you know, he was one of the head writers on Drawn Together, but also like Men Behaving Badly and um, what other sitcoms Bill write? Get a Life. Yeah, Get a Life. He was Playhouse a bit. Get a Life, the Chris Elliott show. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I didn't know that. I love that show. Yeah. And so like Bill, like he, again, this was like built to be just one, another one of those freelance cartoons where there's a head writer and then just a bunch of freelancers emailing in their scripts and he punches them up and submits them. But like, he was the one who fought to get Greg and myself hired because he really just wanted to have at least a little bit of a room where we could be bouncing jokes and ideas off each other and trying out uh trying out one-liners and, and stuff so how much was in place when you when you joined um had bill put together like a show bible or did you help develop some of that so the show was developed uh by a, a creative producer named evan bailey uh and so and i think they had already written like maybe eight episodes or something it was like six episodes maybe yeah. Yeah. So Greg and I didn't develop any of it. There was a full, there was a, a Bible, like a 30 page Bible already written and a couple of episodes already written, but it was a 52 episode order. So right. it was like just sort of figuring out the rest of where this is going. Um, yeah. I think even there, those first few episodes, Bill maybe didn't even get much involvement in either. Like he came on a little bit late too. He replaced uh, a different showrunner, I want to say, for those first few episodes. And then maybe he did like a polish on on a few of them. But some of them, I think, were just completely out of his hands early on. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of a weird situation. Like, I remember when we like got the show Bible for the first time, like there was the character art and just seeing like the redesign of Knuckles. Mm -hmm. And I feel like both of us were like, this is going to be a big deal. Huh. <laughs> Uh, but like, I, I mean, I was all for it. I was going to say it must have been, and from knowing Sonic as well, and knowing obviously that distinction, you're like, oh, you got classic, you got modern, and then this would feel like the next era kind of thing. This, this, the first big shakeup of the design and the setting for what 15 years or so, right? So, yeah, and and they had made it clear to us that you know the, we we'd learned very quickly that this, this was actually in conjunction with the release mm. of Rise of Lyric, uh, and that this was kind of a spin-off universe it wasn't the main title it was always intended okay. to be kind of a a third party sonic mm -hmm. universe that would not and should not be affiliated with with main sonic canon please don't ever say that 
<laughs> did you feel like though then you had a bit more freedom knowing that it was almost like a sideline to the main thing you could go okay we can just flex a little bit here and just stretch out a bit you know yes and no yeah i I mean like there was a ton more freedom especially like if you imagine it like a tree and it just kind of branched off so Mm -hmm. the freedom we got was from the branch point forward but all of the backstory was still the backstory and if it didn't make sense we just don't talk about it but (laughs) there's no there's no contradicting of it you know what i mean sure 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 yeah so this is a completely different knuckles and so, you know, maybe that whole Chaos Emerald stuff doesn't exactly make sense with our version of Knuckles, but we would never touch on that whatsoever. The, the continuity is not something we would ever get or get to play around with. We wouldn't be, you know, we, we, I think we, we definitely talked about this a lot when Shadow comes up, where who is Shadow in this universe? Where did he come right. from? Is it the same canon as always? The answer is yes, but we're not allowed to mention it. So we just had to have him pop up and go, oh, look, Shadow's here. There there were a lot of limitations in that way on, on oh, certain right. characters, Shadow being one of them. The show was also quite different to the Rise of Lyric video game. It had yeah. like quite a different tone and there were some characters yeah. like the principal villain, Lyric, wasn't in the show. Yeah, we were like I, – I mean I didn't know the contents of Rise of Lyric until – God, we were – Almost, almost through the whole first season before we, before we read that script, right, Craig? Yeah, we were well into production on on season one when they kind of went like, "Hey, Rise of Lyrics coming out soon, and we need a real quick punch up." And they brought us in to kind of take a look at the script and see if there's anything we can fix. But it was like a very last minute thing. It was like the script's gonna got to be done in in three more days. Can you guys look at it? And then we Yikes. we all were brought in to do one final like gloss over and see if we could, you know, make some of the dialogue feel a little bit more in line with our show, mm. and then also try to make sense of things. And it, it wasn't something we, you know, it, it was it was it was just such a last minute thing. We we almost felt a little bit out of our element. It was it was really cool to be involved in a video game, but. It was it was almost like we weren't involved for long enough to have much of a lasting impact and to to change much in the game and like really make it feel like the same exact story and and, and style and comedy style as the show. So you were never at any point like instructed to like okay we've got to involve lyric in the show to try nope. to make this connective tissue. Yeah, in the second season, there's um, an episode with that little robot dude from the DS game, Defect. Yeah. Um, so, like, that was the one time we brought something over from one of the games, and I and that was a Sega decision. Like, we like any any characters or anything that are in or not in it. It's all it was all Sega's choice. You know, Sega wanted a vector episode or a shadow episode or, or that defect episode, and they asked for it, and we did it. But uh, lyric, I I don't even he. We would have made him really funny and stupid if he was on our show. <laughs> yeah, I think I think honestly, I think lyric might have been a dirty word at that point. Uh, they, you know, the game didn't go well, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think they were like, let's not remind people of the game. I think honestly that they would have loved to have just scrapped the whole franchise, except that the show was doing pretty well, all things considered. And it was it was 
surprisingly popular. So I don't think mm. I don't think they wanted to remind people of Lyric just because it reminded people of a game that people didn't like. Yeah, it's possibly for the best then. And I mean, it certainly didn't hurt the show in any way because, as you say, it's spectacularly popular. You know, I was just um, watching them on YouTube for research purposes and uh, uh, and the Shadow episode uh, has something like 4 million views or something, man. The kids love it. And so that came from Sega, right? So you're, as you're saying, like, uh, Sega... Sega was the one coming with like, oh, let's put in Shadow, let's put in Vector, and just those yes. two characters. Uh, no Big the Cat from Sega. It's more disrespect from Sega on Big the Cat. I mean, obviously Shadow needed to be included, but like like we said, like it was difficult to write for him. I think we would, I think they would have been cool if we used him more. But Bill and and us too, we found it difficult to write for Shadow because there were just so many rules around him, uh, and making sure that we weren't disrespecting the vision of this character <laughs> and the direction of this character. And, you know, we, we tried to have fun with him as best we could. There was a lot of pushback a lot of the time. Mm. And I think we just felt it was easier to include him less often. Yeah. I mean, not to get too much in the weeds, but like one of the, one of the foundational uh, aspects of our Sonic Boom universe was Eggman is the only human. That was written down from the very beginning. Eggman is the only human hmm. in this world. Yeah. Uh, and so it gets into a problem when you get into Shadow's backstory because it's like, okay, what, what motivates – we were asking, like, what motivates Shadow? And they're like, well, Maria. And it's like, okay, can we acknowledge her? No, you cannot. Eggman is the only <laughs> human in this universe. We're like, okay. Well, that's going to be a toughie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Greg and I, I – I would I would want to portray Shadow then as pretty much like Lego Batman or something, yeah. Yeah. just mm-hmm. just angsty and and uh, a big uh, a big child who wants to who wants everyone to know how dark he is, yeah. just because that's like the funny take in this universe. Um, which, uh, but we it, on the as the show aired. It's sort of settled around Shadow is serious all the time, and the comedy comes from everyone else is stupid around him. And that was like – it took us a long time to find like that take on Shadow of like where it makes it work that he's here, and it doesn't feel like all of a sudden the episode gets depressing when he shows up or something, you know? Yeah, just have him say, I'm the coolest the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And then with Vector, it was, that was another character where like they said, we'd like to bring Vector in. And we went, awesome, cool. Uh, but it wasn't really on us to suggest other characters to bring in. It was really on Sega to give us the okay. And so that's why Vector got the okay. And I don't know, nobody else really came up in the conversation. I think we tried to pitch things here and there, but it was it was really a hard no unless yeah, it's it came just too from much. Too much rights holder issues that we have no idea about any of it. You know, characters that maybe originated in the comics or or whatever. You know, it, it's just like way too hard for us to pick out a character and go like, can Silver be in it? Because I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Silver. You know, we. <laughs> We just like waited for the directives. Yeah. I feel like that Vector episode, you see uh, one of those jokes in particular pop off every like couple weeks or a couple months on Twitter Mm -hmm. where they're hiding out in the bushes and it's like, oh, they're, well, I forget the exact joke. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're having a stakeout and you come in and it's, 
a lot of time has passed and Sonic says like, this is so boring. Stakeouts are never like this on TV. There's just two lines of dialogue and then you see the guy. Yeah. Well, this isn't, this isn't TV or this isn't like TV. Oh, look, there he is. <laughs> uh, it seems like it's Twitter. Twitter, like every couple of weeks, is like rediscovering some of these like great <laughs> jokes from the show, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is the best writing and animation I've ever seen!" And it's like a bazillion retweets. It's amazing. I, I've said it before. I wish I could say after we wrote that joke that we all high fived. We we all high fived and like took off for the rest of the day. But we just, it was just like good, you know, like. I don't think we were like, this is going to be, this no. is like an S tier joke or anything. No, we laughed and we moved on to the next joke we had to write, but yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's gone over as well as it has. Just another day at the office. Ugh. Writing a hit TV show. Oh God. Dang. <laughs> but you know what it was? It was because we had this, this scene with the stakeout and there was only space for two lines of dialogue to set into the scene. And that's where that joke comes from. It's like, how do we put a joke in here that's just two lines of dialogue? That's like the minimum. Um, that's definitely like a well that the uh, the show draws from quite a bit is like poking fun at the conventions of cartoons and sitcom mm. structures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Bill, like, that's Bill's sense of humor, like, to a T, where uh, Bill especially loves because bill is similar to greg and myself in that uh he was raised watching television all the time like for for him his childhood was like the brady bunch and from for ours was the simpsons but like it reaches a point where like i don't know as a you just recognize the format so much that then just like riffs on that, just that require the collective knowledge of your 10,000 hours of watching sitcoms is like exactly where we go. I think like uh, anything like that's meta or, or even like parody. Uh, and you were talking about, he worked on drawn together as well. And that's just like the ultimate fucking parody, man. It's like 20 parodies smashed into one, you know, but I think mm-hmm. it's like, there's so much affection behind that stuff. Like you say, there's a real love for TV in something like that where you're making fun of 10 different TV things or not making fun necessarily, but, you know, kind of just poking at it a little bit and being like, Oh, that does happen, you know, and just, it's very affectionate in that way. Yeah. The angle that we always took on this show and on most of the shows that we try to write for is, is, you know, even though this is a kid's cartoon show, technically we know that kids don't watch tv by themselves all the time we know that there's often a parent sitting over their shoulder there's someone a little older there's an older brother an older sister and and they should enjoy the show as much as the kids do it should be entertainment for everybody because it shouldn't be uh you know a test of 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 how much they can take uh, as is often the case with some with some shows uh, we just wanted to write something that was accessible and fun and that anybody could laugh and enjoy. So we never wrote down to the kids. We never wrote jokes for kids. We wrote jokes for each other. Uh, and and if it made us laugh, we knew it would make other people laugh. And that's kind of the way that we typically do things. When you're writing a kid's show and it's for Sega, I mean, we talked a bit about the games. Um, this was something Lee and I were talking about yesterday of like, I wonder also, was there any like direction in terms of, oh, you need to include uh, like certain toy or toyetic kind of things. So for example, in uh, the Dude Mobiles episode that like we see like Sonic gets like a specific car for like a little bit. Was that 
something that was like issued as like a directive of like, okay, at some point you need to make sure that Sonic uses XYZ things so that we have a toy on it. The Blue Force One, it's called. Blue Force One, yeah. I mean, that's every cartoon. That's right. Like, I feel like every show we've worked on has something like that. Um, that, I mean, the short answer is sure. Yeah, we we knew that was going to be percent. Yeah, yeah. Blue Force One in particular was like, put this in the show, and we're like, why would Sonic need a vehicle to go? <laughs> he goes much faster than a vehicle all on his own, and they were like, ah, find a reason. And I think ultimately, the Blue Force One we gave it a we gave it abilities Sonic wouldn't have. It was able to like drive over lava or something. We we tried to like yeah. justify the existence of Sonic driving a car. Um, uh, yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that, and there was also uh, there was one that you might re- you might have noticed in season two. There's like several episodes featuring soccer. Uh, yes, I'm sorry, football I, for you guys over the. Uh, thank um, you. No problem. Um, <laughs> non American football, um, <laughs> and so that was another thing where they were like, "Guys, we want to put out like soccer toys of these characters." And we're like, "Okay, uh, okay, uh, yeah. it's very popular around the world." Um, and so that was in there, and that's why there was so much soccer. I believe there was even a point where we did this montage where it was like the the, the gang playing several different sports, and then we got a note back, and they were like, "Can they all be soccer?" <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, "No, that's not the point of the montage." Yeah, that uh, that doesn't show time passing yeah, because that could exactly. maybe be the same game of soccer. Um. <laughs> well, I feel like is this show like super popular in like Brazil and South America and that because they go nuts for football. I mean, maybe not entirely sure. We did get some foreign levies from the from South America a little bit. So was it just another tight lipped Sega moment of just like just make them play football? Don't ask questions. Just get those fucking <laughs> cleats on there. Get on that pitch. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't think they ever released any soccer jersey toys or anything. No, they they did. I've I've seen them. I've seen them at the uh, local Target, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why is Sonic wearing a soccer jersey? Wait, and what? only now am I realizing, like, oh, okay. Uh, uh, okay. I don't I don't think they were under the Sonic Boom branding, though. I think they were just under the generic Sonic the Hedgehog branding. Oh, were they? I know that we, while we're talking about toys, I really wanted them to make more toys of all of the characters that we kind of created in this show. Specifically, like Dave the Intern, I feel like would have been really cool if he had like. <laughs> his like Magneto helmet outfit as an alternate or something, <laughs> but they never did that. They just kind of remade the same ones with dirt on their faces and stuff. Yeah. Both of them in space suits. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. We got space suits and, uh, and scuba suits and stuff. Yeah. And Greg's not joking. There was like the sticks figure and then like the sticks figure with mud on her face, you know, or like tails mm-hmm. and then tails with grease stains on his face, <laughs> you know, uh, just like the same exact model with a slight paint variation. It's a shame. It does all feel somewhat cynical and that. And I mean, we talk a lot on this show about Sega being a little bit, you know, tight fisted, but uh, like you say, there's so much potential in that show and it's so popular with the kids and uh, kids love, you know, greasing their parents up to take them down to Toys R Us and buy a, a million fucking figures of a thing if they oh, enjoy maybe it. that's so, why tails had grease on his face uh, <laughs> solve the problem yeah you know, literally grease up parents it's not that kind of i don't know it's it's a it's a is that a saying do you guys you don't say that. that's fine it's okay whatever look anyway yes they could have made a million fucking things in the 90s they went apeshit for it didn't they let's be you know you had like batman you had batman with 
lightning armor and you had Batman with scuba gear and you had, and at least it was like a different I think that's still a thing. They still do that? I don't I don't go to Toys R Us anymore. There is no Toys R Us. It is yeah. it's mostly dead. Toys R Us unfortunately. is dead. Oh Jesus, I'm so sorry. Hey, podcast listener, it's Garrett here from the D-Plus cast, a show for anyone who streams. Join us as we explore Disney Plus and the vast landscape of streaming entertainment. Obsessed with Netflix? Us too. You into Hulu? We got you. We talk about everything from HBO Max and Prime Video to Peacock and Shudder. Knee-jerk reactions to new releases, deep dives into classics and guilty pleasures, and some off-the-wall detours along the way, like a Disney princess deathmatch and a Marvel Cinematic Universe fantasy draft. The D-Plus cast is content about content you can't find anywhere else, but you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's D-Plus cast, D-P-L-U-S-C-A-S-T. Happy streaming. This is kind of a non sequitur question, but uh, one of my favorite like recurring jokes in the show is the uh, the woman who's always screaming, my baby, which I think is voiced by Bill. Yes, it is. Yeah. How did that come about? <laughs> <laughs> How did that come about? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, how did Bill come to voice it or how did the character come about? Why uh, why, why this joke specifically? Why is this joke in like 50% of the episodes? <laughs> I always appreciate that it's there, but it's just like. It's like the it's cabbages so, vendor from Avatar. Yeah, well, I think the joke uh, has its origins in the fact that it, it, we're a very limited show with a limited number of character models. And when Bill came in, there was this fancy, fat, uh, walrus lady character. And so just like if she was the one and, there were, and she had two children, and if like they're in peril every time, then like it, it would be weird if Sonic's just constantly saving these children. But if we make it a joke that it's just, he's always saving her children specifically, then we can do it every episode. So it was like every single fight scene would just be like these little walrus, this little walrus baby uh, would, would amble out there and she'd go, Oh, my baby. And then we'd make all these jokes about how she's a terrible parent. Um, <laughs> and then also Bill got to get a, a voice in there. So why not? Yeah, I don't know why Bill. I, I guess like I, I don't know why Bill uh, wanted to voice her because like he also voiced voiced uh, Comedy Chimp, which was mm-hmm. like a specific voice like of an old comedy club owner from Long Island that he knew. So like I know like that was like just like right from his experience, but I have no idea why he was so into voicing Lady Walrus. <laughs> I really have no clue. There was even, this is a, this is a little bit of trivia. There was an episode that we fully wrote. We broke it. We wrote it. And there was, uh, it was a Lady Walrus marries Eggman episode. Yeah. And <laughs> ultimately was not produced. Sega did not like the script. Oh. We had to throw that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember any specific notes? Uh, I, I barely remember what happened in it. I mean, like, we we punched it up. We did the whole script. Yeah. Because um, usually, like, the way it goes is uh, you'll get approved to go to from premise to outline to script. This went all the way to script and had a script written, I think. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, it was Eggman marries Lady Walrus for her money. And so he's just trying to like court her and then hurry her up so they could get married so that he can use her fortune to fund his uh, his his 
his amusement park and machines and stuff. But I think he, uh, she is getting on his nerves more and more and testing his patience on like what he's willing to endure. I don't remember what happens. Yeah, I don't either, unfortunately. I'm sure we could find the script somewhere, but that's under NDA. Oh, yeah. He said too much already. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about more of the episodes that did get produced. Like um, we talked a little bit about the Dude Mobiles and Staycation kind of two-parter or their concurrent two-parters. That was like an interesting one structurally where, you know, you follow Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles as they're on this road trip with the band and getting in trouble with the law. And then the second half of the episode, you're seeing what's going on with uh, Amy and Styx. And I think that was the only time in the show where that structure was employed, where, where you're seeing one half of the story here and there's contact between Sonic and Amy. And then you see Amy's side of the conversation in the second part of the episode. Um yeah, let's talk a little bit about that episode. How did uh, how did that come to be? Uh, I think the the girls' side of it came first when we were breaking season two. Right away, we were like uh, one of the. I think um, Colleen uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy was telling us like we need more female villains on this show. And we're, I think it was Cindy a, actually. Oh, it was Cindy, Cindy, yeah. the voice of Amy uh, was saying like we need more female villains on this show. And we were like, you know what? You're right. And so we like had this idea for like this this belinda character who would be kind of like this uh, charlie's wife who would get a mech suit and be a villain yeah she already existed in the first season but we're like and she was a little bit antagonistic toward charlie in that and we're like what if we just amp that up and we turn this character into a full villain and then we we have someone for season two and i, I believe alan correct me if i'm wrong we actually pitched this toward the very beginning of yeah. season two it was, it was so in our first that, batch yeah so that way there would be chances to use her again in the same capacity and then uh, yeah yeah and then but then our problem was so we were like also like this would be like a whole like sticks and amy episode and then we also had like this road trip episode with the with the guys where we bring back their band uh due yeah i think and, i pitched that we do this crossover thing that we, we we try to find a way to say this is happening while this is happening and so when we we pitched them toward the end the beginning of the season and because it was kind of two concurrent episodes the approvals process took a lot longer and then ultimately this ended up getting approved toward the end of the writing and so we didn't get to reuse belinda again in this in that way like we wanted to but it was a fun concept. I'm glad we got to play around with it. It was Bill was, I think, skeptical at first, but I think we made yeah. it work. Yeah, yeah, because like w these off format episodes are fun to do, but like it's a syndicated show, and so they had they were like going out to syndicators saying like, "Would you mind if we had two episodes like this? Would that affect the syndication package?" And how you know, like they, they had to like ask all these distributors. It just took forever. For them to go like yeah it's fine i think it worked very well though as individual standalone episodes you can still watch one without having to watch the other yeah that was the idea you know i i guess yeah the the fear or, or whatever would have been like oh sonic is barely in this this episode because he's primarily in the other one and you know it's just like right. making sure that nobody would be mad about how little Sonic Tails and Knuckles were in that episode or how little Amy and Sticks were in the the road trip episode. 
it's a well-observed point also that there are no, I mean, Belinda's maybe the only example in like, like all Sonic media yeah, of any definitely. female villains. There's, there's none in the games. Maybe there's some in the comics that I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. But yeah, there, we were just talking about that the other day in the discord of like, yeah, there really are, it's just all boy villains. Yeah. I mean, we tried to the... have Eggman, but yeah, we, yeah. You, you gave it a shot. <laughs> I want to say I liked that song that Sonic Tails and Knuckles sing in the Road Troop episode. Um, and it made me actually feel like I wanted to see more of that kind of thing in the games or just like in Sonic Media in general. It's like fun that they're like singing and hanging out together. Thanks. Yeah. That was that was another thing where I, I guess I was always kind of pushing to do musical episodes. There's a uh, there, you know, it's said that if you write if you write songs into your episodes, you can make some extra money from, uh, from ASCAP mm. and stuff like that. So, uh, I was always kind of pushing to do that. And I always thought it was kind of fun. That's why we did in the first season, uh, the, the, the uh, boy band episode, the boy band episode, battle of the boy mm. bands. And then this was like our battle. Of the, this was kind of the sequel to that, right? It was, it was the, yeah. the band getting yeah. back together and doing a tour. So we kind of wanted to bring it back. You get the guy in the jail recognizes them from before and uses their old name, right? And they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, yeah, I go by <laughs> Dude as you these days. Well, I just thought it was cute. And uh, I was also, nice. I've got to say, it was the best executed musical Sonic episode I've ever seen. And having watched all of Sonic Underground and just wanted wow. to wash a taste of that out of my mouth. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which mean, is, so you're you up against stiff competition, yeah. man. You know, <laughs> it's hard to beat that theme song, though. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, oh, he really goes, Their mother will be found. I am. No, I, I really liked the kind of the like uh, 80s throwback rock tune that was going when they were in the car chase section with the cops, you know, and it had that whole, yeah, that was, that's kind Gotta of. Gotta go fast. Yeah. You yeah. have to push it to the limit. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was that whole, like, what can all the razors here? Just that whole, like, motivational 80s, you know, action yeah, there's music. A lot of the I'm background into. music in the show that reminded me, I guess maybe it was probably, like, by intention, right? Like, I think I heard one that was, like, the A-Team theme song or something. Like, yeah, right. Or, like, yeah. I feel like we used that several yeah. times, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. just different enough to not be the A-Team theme. There's a, a talented composer who knows what percentage he needs to change to make it an original composition. <laughs> Um, I I was like quite cracked up by the largest non-rocking chair. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was a good joke. I liked it. And then Knuckles buying the miniature version. Yeah. There was a lot of laugh out loud moments in that episode, man. Just like a lot of them. Like I was surprised that I kept being like, ah, you fucking, okay, yeah. And then a second later, like, that hitchhiker, all right. Yeah. The, the, when, the, when Sonic wakes up and <laughs> that hitchhiker guy is just staring at him, man. I was fucking crying. It's just <laughs> oh, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, but, but, Great voice in that hitchhiker, too. Really? I did, yeah. I thought oh, he sounded nice. familiar. When you, <laughs> when you came in the chat, I was like, this guy can't be trusted for some reason. I don't know what it is. <laughs> chains the dangling clanging chains. in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put that rat guy in the games. I liked him. <laughs> Yeah, overall, it's nice. There's just a lot more, and we've talked at length about writing in the Sonic games. It's just nice to have some characterization, you know, like a like an interesting stable of background characters that come back in new contexts. You know, um, it's yeah, it's notable. Yeah, thanks. You know, I I think it's also it's not just the background characters as much fun as we had with them, but like I felt like. Amy Rose for the first time had something more than just being this like weird, creepy yeah, Sonic girl. fan stalker. Like we found a lot to do mm. with her character. 
and and we fleshed her out more. Yeah. yeah. I did like the depiction of their relationship and maybe some of the other episodes that uh, we watched for this. Yeah. So I was like watching it with, I was distracted by like college football and other stuff too. So uh, yeah. I don't think I absorbed it. Nathan the jock. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the Nathan's jock. Knuckles. I give them noogies and swirlies. <laughs> we're not recording. Yeah. Well, like the whole fan base was always saying like son amy son amy which means you know like <laughs> sonic hooking up with amy and like when is son amy happening happening in boom but it like kind of was the whole time like if you were paying attention they like mm. sort of are an item but they're like kind of awkward about it and trying to yeah. keep it under wraps and everything yeah it's definitely that thing where sonic yeah. is protesting way too much about it but it's, yeah, I also feel like there. the more the more the fans asked for Son Amy, the more Bill really didn't want to do any <laughs> Son Amy stuff. And, so, but, so like it was really us pushing him to like put in at least the the jokes about it. I think we got in the the Son Amy fan fiction in the biggest fan episode. Yeah, and then we kind of had these these you know flirty moments and and jealousy moments, and but we never quite had them hook up or anything like that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I appreciated those little moments. I like, yeah, I thought those were cute. I liked it. And she had the Sonic doll in the staycation episodes. Oh for yeah. Not, for yes. Creepy reasons. Yeah. So is that canonically Amy has a time? Yeah. The canonically Amy has a sex doll. Is that? <laughs> it's, it's a companion doll. Uh, the, I go, right. Okay. Like a, like a, one of those yeah, anime pillows. Pillow. Yeah. <laughs> And those yeah. pillows are never never used for sex. <laughs> no. I mean, how could Sorry you? Your fault. <laughs> no, seriously, how can you? I'd like to. I'm interested. Because <laughs> an, ta- an Eggman takes it at the end and I'm like, oh. Because before I was kind of laughing to myself like, Amy's a bit of... And then Robotnik takes it and you go, oh. Okay. <laughs> He's a lot bigger than that doll. He's going to be rough with it. That was my whole... Sorry. Jesus, Josh, come on. That was my headcanon. I'm not applying to be a writer on the show. It's okay. You guys do what you're doing. I'll do what I'm doing. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I quite liked that uh, boy band episode from season one. And in general, I really like the episodes where the stakes are really stupid like that, uh, where it's just like, you know, Amy and Sticks are really into this Justin Beaver character, uh, and 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 the boys are jealous that they're not getting as much attention, so they form their own boy band. Like, I, like whenever things were just like the stupidest way possible into the story, like I, I really loved and appreciated that. But yeah. then later, it seems in season two, it, there was more adventure kind of creeping into the show. Like uh, one of the other episodes that we watched was the uh, Robots from the Sky four parter. Which yeah. was like kind of like an epic feeling, sort of. Mm. Oh, there's this island in the sky, and there's these non Eggman made robots that are coming down. Um, that seemed like it was going for more of like a action adventure kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean that four parter that was Bill's baby from the start. I remember the day that he like called us in, and he was like, "I'm thinking about doing like a movie," and just like kind of backdoor putting like an hour long like sonic movie in as a four-parter uh and it was like i I feel like he came in he had like this robot city in the clouds kind of already figured out maybe even had some like concept art done up for it and everything um but it was like trying to figure out like how to make each episode sort of standalone while also making sense to watch as you you know in order 
Yeah, I think there was a there was a lot of ideas here because I think also there was something from the toy people who wanted to oh, do something. Yeah, it, it, this is something that never was produced, but I think there was a lot of encouragement. They were like, "What if we do the oh, robot sitting in the clouds as a playset? We make these new robots, and we were like, well, that would be awesome. We would love to create characters who then get toys.'" Uh, so we were very excited about that idea, and then Bill had this grandiose uh, – I think it was a three-parter at the time, and then we kind of had to expand it to a four-parter. And there were just like a ton of ideas, and I don't know. It ended up being something that was a lot of fun to do and definitely pushed us to our limits a little bit because we had only been doing these 11-minute stories, and this was the first time we kind of had to do a bigger, you know, more action-packed episode. And – it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Part of it was we shot ourselves in the foot. Like, yeah, licensing was kind of excited about this play set. And they were oh, like, yeah. what is this city going to be called? And we were like sitting around going like, wow, what are like some cool names? <laughs> and we're like throwing like Robotopolis, Robotic, Robotatron City. <laughs> and then like I was like, what if we just called it like Morristown? Yeah. <laughs> And then we uh, leaned into a lot of New Jersey jokes throughout uh, throughout that four-parter. There's a bunch of them because uh, that's where Alan and I are from. And so Morristown's a town in New Jersey. And we, oh. did this, we did some jokes about there being like jug handles, which some of you might not even know what that is. But jug handles are like you can't make a left turn in much of New Jersey. You have to like go off this little loop like that looks like a like a handle off of a jug mm-hmm. or a mug and then okay. that's how you get to the other side of the street so we made some joke about jug handles and then at the end we we were like let's not let's still not name it something cool let's let's once again harken back to our new jersey days and so we named the city in the clouds ultimately roboken which is a play on Hoboken, New Jersey. Right. Oh, um, wow. I didn't. Yeah, those okay. New Jersey jokes went over my head. <laughs> yeah, um, we figured they'd go over some heads, but it didn't stop us I like from doing that, it. that. I like that, though. <laughs> now that I know that, that's even funnier to me. Yeah, so maybe that's partially why there was no play set, because we refused to give it a cool name that would sell toys. <laughs> I feel like there's even a scene in the episodes where they're like, why don't you name it something cool like this or this or yeah. this? And then we still didn't name it that. Yeah, they, the robots keep making the joke. It's like, wow, you guys are so good at naming stuff. And then at the end, <laughs> I think Tails comes up with a really bad suggestion or something. I like that one of the ones they throw out too is Sky Sanctuary. I like yes. that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. And I yeah. thought it was cute because not only is it a nice reference, but like it again, just there was like a sweet touch of sweetness to it where uh, the character says like, oh, that would have been a way better idea. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's cute because it wasn't just like, oh, Sky Sanctuary. That would be dumb, wouldn't it? Like, you know, it, it's not. Yeah. You've done that it, too. It, it, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't want to watch those episodes because it'll make me sad. So yeah. it, it's, it's not Wolverine and his yellow spandex in the first act. No. Yeah, all. exactly. That's the exact bit. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah. Doing yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I will tell you there was on one episode, there was a villain who infected your dreams, who's called the Dreamcaster, And there was a running <laughs> gag where they kept talking about how stupid that name was. So we <laughs> oh, did no. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> that's, you're that's fine. That's fine. I'm a Sega Saturn guy anyway. I was fine. Fuck the dream card. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. What? Whoa. Wow. Uh, <laughs> although then the runner was Sonic is very defensive of the Dreamcaster. Like, I think it's a good name. Um, oh, that's 
but see again it's cute that is cute you yeah, know it's nice and then uh, that's okay i'm just playing up to the the guests guys dreamcast mm. for life i'm sorry i said that <laughs> <laughs> i'll take saturn it was better though it was. It was like better. No, but, you know, no, absolutely, no, it wasn't. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's spend the next ninety minutes arguing about this. Oh no, this is the new bit. Yeah. The Dreamcast was far superior because it was in the one the I UK, had. In the UK, in the UK, the Saturn had its uh, had its day. Honestly, yeah, it was a short day, yeah. but it was a day. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> a winter day. It was like a winter's day. Yeah, it was. It got it got dark about three p.m., but it was a it was a day. Uh, have you guys played any of the more recent Sonic games? I, this is also a non sequitur question, but mm. uh, just on this subject of it, what's the most recent Sonic game that you've played? Not that it, uh, not that it matters. I'm just curious. You're gonna get me in trouble. Uh, Sonic know, Mania. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, one. I definitely played Sonic Mania. I mean, I, I was playing that Sonic Classic Collection for like a long time, but that's just the old games. Yeah. Once again, uh, I mean, we played. We played the Boom games because they gave them to us, uh, which doesn't often happen, but we managed to get copies of those. They're not great, but they were. <laughs> <laughs> I never played them. I've watched some YouTube playthroughs. They look not great, but I've been cu- yeah. I've been curious about it. Just haven't actually done it. Uh, I was actually playing Sonic Dash 2 on my phone for a few months uh, oh, when, they, when they added um, the Boom uh, skins. Yeah, well, they added uh, what's his name to it. Um, yeah, Vector. They added Vector. Vector. They added yeah. Vector out of nowhere, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Maybe they'll keep updating this game, and I'll get, I'll get Dave the intern like I always wanted." <laughs> uh, but they haven't updated it since. So, yeah, that's fucked up, man. Yeah, Dave the intern and Comedy Chimp are like two characters where you can really feel that like Simpsons DNA in the show, uh, mm. which is mm. like you know appreciated like it's it's like you, you can feel this feels like the sonic by the simpsons sort of yeah. show and it makes sense knowing bill's background and y'all's background um like you can oh, yeah. feel like that love for the simpsons in the show i think yeah i mean comedy chimp is like he's crusty the clown isn't he like yeah, yeah. there's a, a ton of that in there i think even like one time there's a crusty the clown line that comedy chimp says where he says they drove a dump truck full of money to my house i'm not made of stone <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then Dave is. I mean, Dave initially was kind squeaky of very voice squeaky teen. voice teen, but we yeah. we expanded Dave so much more than squeaky voice teen ever ever got. So he yeah. became his own character for sure. Even yeah, he gets to like a, a fun arc. The news reporter, the eagle guy. There's like oh, a yeah. bit of Kent Brockman in him. I found. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, a lot of these characters are like. They, they do double duty like dave the intern is the fry cook slash amateur villain and soar the eagle is a motivational speaker slash newscaster and a lot of that is just like like with soar for instance we wrote the episode where he is a motivational speaker and then a few episodes later we needed a newscaster and we're like well mm. That voice was kind of deep and uh, and, and we don't get many more character designs. So <laughs> right, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, you guys got a lot of mileage out of it. I I appreciate it. I liked seeing these like recurring background townspeople characters. It, yeah, for it sure. was definitely appreciated. Um, yeah, it's actually nice question. to have that. It's actually not, in, like in a, in a you know in, we've been playing these games where it's just like oh not this fucking guy again oh <laughs> silver the hedgehog fuck off you know and it's nice to have though like yeah built up a regular kind of cast of characters uh in that way and 
Yeah, it's there's, yeah. yeah, like I say, it's, it's nice to have the animal characters as well. Yeah, I think having that mandate of not yeah, like not being in a human city and having to deal with human bullshit. Like Sonic tries to use a vending machine with hilarious results. I don't care about any of that shit. Uh, you know that putting him in a village with animals, I think, is always the best solution. And the animals that you know we're actually interested in this time yeah. around. I liked the animal characters. But I was also wondering then, since you were talking about there was this uh, rule, I guess, that Eggman was the only human, but I got, there was kind of like, I got a weird feeling in some of these episodes, like in the road trip one, that like they have police, right? And they're driving vehicles and stuff and they're like stopping at all these like little Americana style <laughs> like road yeah. trip destinations and stuff like that. Just, it was giving me this almost like implied history of like, what is this world and where did it come from? Something like maybe... It made me. It reminded me a bit of maybe like Adventure Time, where it's like this post, post, post apocalyptic kind of <laughs> yeah. world or something. Yeah, it's kind of a dystopia because yeah, it's so empty, right? Uh, there's but there's yeah all these landmarks. Uh, no, <laughs> you're reading too much into it. Okay, <laughs> Alan, you can talk. You want to talk a little bit about the uh, the landmark stuff? I mean that that was just like I I go on road trips and I like I love Americana I and so we were I I wanted to do a road trip episode for a long time um, and so a lot of the stuff that they visit is just stuff that I've been to in my life uh, in a previous episode we have the world's largest ball of twine I've been there uh, I have been to the world's largest rocking chair. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's like, I think they, they talk about, they name check like the mystery hole and the world's oldest rock. <laughs> I've been to both of those. Um, oh. so, you know, it was just sort of like, I guess it feels like, like from a larger universe. Cause it's just like from America, from places that I've been. Well, yeah, America's pretty big, isn't it? So I've heard. Yeah. 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 Um, it's quite big, isn't it? I'll tell you, the world's oldest rock, underwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never been. Is it just like some rock with a really long yeah, beard? Yeah, uh, that's yeah, granite. Like a day over two thousand. Yeah, it's Granite Falls, Iowa. I think. Okay. Um, they just. I don't. I feel like they just made it up. <laughs> no, yeah, they I mean, how would do you? Never. How do you, you prove the age of that thing? Right. Show me the birth certificate. That's really disingenuous, man. I, I'm, I'll never visit again. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, the another cent I spent there. Yeah, right? How can you prove that? Uh, surely. Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> it's not. A, this is the Sonic Boom podcast. Come on. Speaking of reading too much into it, I'll tell you my headcanon for the show, which Go. is that this okay. is uh, that this is Sonic and friends that are in their 20s, which is What's why it? Knuckles is so much bigger because he's beefed up over the years and that it all takes place on prison Island and Eggman is under house arrest, which is why he's not too much of a threat. <laughs> so the Island is sort of desolate for a reason, which is it all is a They're all ostensibly just living in a giant prison and it works. If you squint your eyes, I love that idea. I, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned they're all in their twenties or something. And that's, that's kind of a thing we, we often get tweeted at like, how old are these characters? They don't act like however old they are. And I'm like, yeah, well, Tails has a house. He's not, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yes, he's eight. Technically, he's eight years old. But like, uh, what do those numbers mean when when we're, you know, right. trying to create a world where there aren't parents and we actually aren't allowed to acknowledge parents? Why would an eight-year-old even exist all on its own like that? You know, like, yeah, so they're right. whatever age you're used to hearing they are, uh, but we're going to write them like a TV show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's in Fox years, I guess, right? 
There you go. It's like like dog years. Does that work? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that goes back to like what Greg is talking about. Goes back to that whole thing of we were not going to contradict backstory, so we were mm. not going to say that they're different ages than they are, or or anything. Uh, but yeah, we also just we never called out. Sonic's never says to Tails, "You're eight years old," you know. Right. It, just whatever, whatever makes sense to you as you're yeah. watching. Don't oh, think oh. about it too much. Yeah, all he needs to be <laughs> Too is late. younger than Sonic, and you get the points. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a little brother. Yeah. I really liked the approach to Eggman in this series, and all the villains, really, um, because they're all living on this island, and it just feels like they're annoying neighbors more than anything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something that like we always wanted, because I feel like it, it's just... I, it's hard to do 52 episodes where like every time Sonic sees Eggman, they just will get in a fist fight immediately. You know, like they got it. We got to be able to have them live here in, in some way and cross paths and not just turn into a fight every time. Yeah. And I think again, like going back to what we said earlier, like Bill's the showrunner, we're the writers. We just naturally took a sitcom approach to this show. Like, you know, they, yeah. they, if they feel like, you know, an annoying neighbor, it's because that's that's really how we see these characters. And that was how we wanted to write them. I actually believe the what was it the second episodes uh, when Eggman stays yeah. on his couch, which was written before any of us were even on board. That really set the tone for the show, admittedly. Yeah, because that's another one where it's like very low, very silly stakes mm-hmm. uh, of just like mm-hmm. an it's like a classic sitcom sort of set up, and then they're just sort of bouncing around each other. Um, yeah, that yeah, first more so than the first episode. Yeah, the first like episode is the show. yeah the, the first episode is this pilot about what it's it tells. Uh, it, yeah, it it's it, 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 it we kind of almost ignored that and looked at the second episode and went like, no, that's the show we're writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, well, I think we are at the point of the show now where we do the last gasps. We're underwater. We're suffocating. Will we make it? Do we have last hot takes? Do we have last, last gasps across the board? So this is the chance for the last hot takes of the episode. Um, all right. Here's a half hot take and then another half hot take. Half hot take. Uh, they should have been playing more American football. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell happened in this show? Uh, this is an American show. It should be American football. USA, USA, USA. And then my second half hot take is that uh, for my money, this is the best uh, Sonic animated series to date. So congrats on uh, being involved. Hey, in it. Uh, I, I think it's really fun and. And uh, when I when I first stumbled across it, I was very delighted with how enjoyable and how watchable and how funny it was. So and rewatching it, I think it holds up and I'm glad to see that uh, the kids on social media are appreciating it uh, as well. So that's my hot take. So of the episodes we've talked about today, um, I really enjoyed Battle of the Boy Bands. Um, I thought that was just like the most joke heavy and all the jokes landed. And um, yeah, I love the, you had the montage and you think you know where it's going and then suddenly they're a perfect, bo- perfect boy band and the rest of the montage is just coming up with a name. Um, I liked the whole bit about over, <laughs> overhearing the evil plan and then you get 
the Benny Hill yakety sax <laughs> for, <laughs> for about 10 seconds and it goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, but so the ending though, was that a bit, a bit of a wish fulfillment that, oh, if you just, if you just introduce people to rock music, which is real music, <laughs> then they'll forget all about Justin Bieber. I mean, that episode, that whole episode was, is like probably the most regular show feeling episode of all of Sonic Boom 2, mm-hmm. which like that was one of our first pitches when they f- first said like, yeah, something like regular show, which if you follow the structure of that, it's usually that like th- there's like some something weird going on that then in the third act turns into like this crazy town, supernatural uh you know, experience or something uh, that is then defeated through like some sort of eighties Americana. Uh, So like a lot of it was like that us trying to do like the Sonic version of what a regular show script would, would look like, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I just think there's also just something, something really funny about the idea of like rock and roll can save the world, right? The, the Bill and Ted <laughs> yeah. uh, attitude of just like, if we put on an awesome rock song, we'll, we'll rescue everybody. Well, you will, right? That's how it works. Exactly. I've seen the third one. Yeah. It actually, that's yeah, great. It is great. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. That's a hot take for you. There you go. That's, that's your one. Should I do mine then? Let's do it. Okay. All right. Because if you, and I have to say, because if you ever listen to any of these other episodes, God forbid, you'd be like, this <laughs> fucking English son of a bitch. Um, I didn't like the show at first because okay. I hadn't seen the show. Wait, because okay. I hadn't seen the show. I hadn't seen the show. I saw the art and I went Sonic with blue arms. No fucking way. Because I'm one of those annoying wow. fans. <laughs> Dude. And then... <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I'm you hate the movie, right? Because I, I, I had to, it took a long time to get past that because I had to let it go, and I was like, no, it's for kids. I'm not going to like. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I've been pushing and whinging. I'm like a little kid not wanting to eat his vegetables, and then you do, and you go, oh, all these vitamins. The show for me, <laughs> when you're in your thirties, the show for me was like petting a cat. I had to let the show come to me. You know, I couldn't chase after the show. And then when it did, a baby was purring. So I'm glad that y'all strong-armed me into watching it because I enjoyed it. And I'm sorry I did it dirty, fellas. You did a wonderful job. I was laughing out loud constantly. I did feel a little bit called out by the chain wallets gag. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> oh, same. I know, same. They're fi- yeah, I know they're 15 years ago, but you know what? They're practical. They're stylish. Uh, <laughs> Y'all still use the- those over there? Is that the thing? Well, I see. Well, you can't I'm really a- know, but me, no. yes. <laughs> because we're aging alternative kids and we, we can't let go of that thing. Yeah, that so, was middle um, school for us, chain wallets. Right, I had yeah. one. I had a Pepsi chain wallet. Oh, that's Ooh, cool as hell. A branded chain wallet? Yeah. <laughs> cool, Doesn't get any cooler than that. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be ironic, right? Because you're a teen and everything's ironic. And actually, yeah, and, and in that way as well, that approach to the show of like the it's kind of mugging for the camera, the the callbacks and the, the fourth wall breaking and stuff, it really fucking works. And it made me laugh. And yes, thank you. Thanks, Josh. I'll, I'll piggyback <laughs> off of Josh's hot take with a with a not so hot take, but you you tell oh. me. Uh, oh. You know, a lot of fans criticized the show for 
being different for knuckles being big and buff and dumb and for sonic having blue arms and for it not being the sonic that they all came to know and love and i think to those fans i say you're you're not paying attention to how this world works right sonic Mm. the hedgehog has had several iterations and everyone kind of gloms onto a different one or multiple ones, and they all yeah. kind of have their own continuity, their own stories, different characterizations, and different art styles. And it's not just Sonic the Hedgehog, right? It's Batman, it's the Avengers, it's the Ninja mm. Turtles. Everything mm-hmm. has been rebooted and redone a thousand times. And although, in general, that's not something I always encourage, you, when you see it happen, that doesn't automatically make the version you love worse right it 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 doesn't it doesn't it doesn't negate it you know your favorite sonic doesn't it's not like it doesn't exist anymore this one also exists this one presented in a different way and i think people should really just in general embrace that there can be different versions of your favorite thing absolutely uh yeah and i think my hot take is that uh also related to the redesign, uh, my hot take is that um, oh, yeah. these it. characters were desi- redesigned to look the way they should have looked from the start. Oh, um, oh yeah. Sonic had Sonic's naked, fleshy arms <laughs> are gross. Uh, Sonic tan arms in my opinion because the uh, 16-bit processor wouldn't be able to tell what's what so they gave his arms a a contrast in color so you could see him more clearly absolutely correct if it was in HD he probably just would have been a blue guy Knuckles was this roughly the same size as Sonic because they wanted to make the levels work with uh you know with just switching out the sprites and having a bigger dude would change the whole layout and everything of how those levels work but really he's supposed to be stronger than sonic and if you were doing it today you'd probably design him a little bit bigger and you'd get more complex with the level designs where you know you could they would change how how they're how they work based on which character you picked and so i think the redesign it was you know uh if you were making a new Sonic, like if you were creating the Sonic from series from scratch today, they would look more like that than like yeah. the uh, modern Sonic designs. To your point that you can look at the 2020 movie and the upcoming sequel where Sonic has blue arms and Knuckles is a bit about a head size bigger. It looks like He's a bigger uh, girl, than yeah. than uh, than Sonic. Yeah. Also, I mean, Knuckles is a pixel or two taller in the original games, so... Okay, oh, you there. got me. <laughs> but, uh, it's hard to tell when the scale yeah, is that research. Small. Yeah, he, he measures it. Yeah, I'm, I'm half a pixel taller. <laughs> That's what he says. That's how that Knuckles says on his dating profile. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Nathan, do you have a last gasp? Yeah, my last gasp is... Um, I think this is probably the funniest interpretation of Sonic that I've seen across all of the different versions of the character. So I appreciated that a lot. I like the fact that it's basically just like kind of a gag and joke show. And I think that the games could probably um, take some of that comedy uh, style and do it. I mean, I think the games have attempted to do this kind of thing and not done it as effectively as it was done in this show. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. 
Yeah, when we're talking about Sonic Colors and we're saying that a lot of the gags and that the attempts at humor kind of falls flat a little bit. Um, whereas, yeah, this never did. It felt natural and it suited the characters as well. So, boys, let's, uh, let's get you a job. I think yeah. that's what we need to do. <laughs> get you in there. All right. We have made it. Greg and Alan, decide amongst yourselves how you would rate this show and your time on it on a scale of E to S. Give it a rank. I, I say it's A tier. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, you guys have a lot of a lot of people in this conversation here, so I'm not sure S tier. Maybe are, are, can people distinguish all of our voices? There's six different people on here. I'm going to go A tier also with that in mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And uh, as we wrap up, if there's anything that you guys want to uh, plug, obviously, Greg, we're plugging your podcast earlier in the show with the ad. Uh, but if there's anything else that you guys want to uh, shout out for people to maybe follow you along on social media. Uh, sure. Follow me on Twitter at it's Greg Han. And if you like toys and action figures, that's all I ever post on my Instagram <laughs> at it's Greg's toys. Ooh. Oh. Yep. And you can find me at, on Twitter at Alan, the writer, A L A N the writer, uh, not on Instagram. Um, and we've got, uh, we wrote a bunch of episodes for a Transformers show that's coming out on Netflix. Uh, we don't know when soon-ish. yet. Oh, soon-ish. that's exciting. Not sure. Not sure when. Uh, but there is, a, you, know, you know what? There is a show coming out. We worked on a, uh, a Lego show called Monkey Kid, which is landing on Amazon sometime in the fall. So if you've got Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. keep your eyes peeled for Lego Monkey Kid. We wrote some episodes in season two. Very cool. Yes. All right. Well, the links to follow Alan and Greg are in the description of the episode. Give them a follow. And uh, thanks for joining us, boys. This was fun. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's been a pleasure. And, and uh, uh, I, I am a changed man. So wow, Josh. Wow. With, thank, with <laughs> thanks and apologies. <laughs> um, if you're interested in watching Sonic Boom, it's streaming on Hulu in the United States. I'm not sure about uh, England or anywhere else. But yeah, um, season one is Netflix. on Netflix in the UK. Yeah. YouTube as well. You can get uh, a lot of the episodes on there. Give it a look. Let's have a little little joke at the end. All right, quick.